Hey, we're glad you guys could join us for church today. Why don't you stand up? We're going to worship together. you all heard everything's canceled but in times of uncertainty who better to turn to than the master of the universe amen, amen. so we're going to spend some time worshiping the lord this morning i just encourage you if you feel anxious if you have fears if you have doubts would you just put those aside and focus on the lord this morning he will bring you peace he will bring joy to your heart but only if you worship him today you need to put in the effort you need to stand before god let's see
and I just encourage you and invite you to worship the Lord this morning. I'm singing Jesus for your marvelous and wonderful love. Thank you, God. You know, before we uh, before we rehearse this morning, Pastor Chris shared a, a verse with us from uh, John 16. And it was before Jesus went back to heaven. He said, I've told you these things so that you can have peace. In this world, you may have many trials and tribulations, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We can rest on that verse this morning. And uh, we want to introduce a new song to you today. And uh, the reason that we're singing it this morning is that it tells the whole salvation story, right? From Jesus' birth to his death to his resurrection. And it's called King of Kings. We've grown to love it. We pray that you guys will grow to love it too. And that the words will just resonate in your heart. And that it will cause you to worship God and focus on him. So we'll sing it for you this morning. 
without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. God of glory, majesty.
this morning, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. God, we know that you're bigger than any circumstance we face, any fear that we have in our life, God. You're bigger than all of that. So much so, God, that we can, we can take steps to build our lives around you. God, that's what we're doing with our worship this morning. We're being reminded of your word, and we're aligning with your heart this morning. So as we continue to worship, may your spirit just be with us today.
just invite you, raise your hands and worship this morning. Put your trust in God today. so filled with gratitude and thanksgiving this morning. You're here. You love us. You're sovereign. You're in control. Some of us may be fearful today. Some of us may be feeling a little overwhelmed by life, by its challenges. But we thank you, God, that we can say with the Apostle Paul, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Let's say it together. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Fathers, we gather here. We declare our utter and complete dependence upon you. We acknowledge, O oh God, that our times are in your hands. We acknowledge today, God, that you're here right now. Some, uh, some feel fearful today about the coronavirus. It may be here, but God is here. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Father, we pray right now that you would have your way in this service, that our hearts would be open to hear your word. God, that we would see the loveliness of Christ. That we would see his kindness to us, his mercy, his forgiveness. That we would recognize, God, that he who began a good work in us is faithful to complete it. Some of us feel discouraged today with our Christian life. We feel overwhelmed by our sin. We wonder, oh God, is there any progress being made? We thank you, God, that you will complete the work in us. Everyone who is born again, everyone who's put their faith in Christ, will know the power of Almighty God at work in their hearts and lives. And so, Father, for that, we praise you. We thank you, God, that those times when we need to be disciplined, you discipline us. Those times, oh God, we need to be rebuked, you rebuke us. Those times, oh God, when we just need a word of encouragement, you encourage us. God, you know exactly what we need because we're your children and you're our Father. And so, Abba Father, have your way in the lives of your children. And God, we would just commit this service to you now, thanking you for each one who's here, thanking you, God, 
for your presence in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Okay, before you sit down, do not shake hands. <laughs> do not shake hands. Uh, you can maybe use your elbow. I prefer it if you use your feet. And if you have a chance, there's, there's Matthew Button that's here today. Welcome home. And uh, I give him a kick in the shins for me. God bless you. Go ahead and, and kick, kick feet or do whatever you need to do. Yes, God bless you. So we're one of the few churches that's uh, meeting today, although I noticed uh, our uh, Catholic friends down the street, they're all meeting today, but many, many uh, churches have closed down. Now, we, uh, we are watching and monitoring everything very closely. Uh, we're, we're watching to see what other places are doing. We're listening to the news. You can imagine that it's, uh, it's just hour by hour, minute by minute. So um, as it stands right now, we will not be uh, holding services next week uh, uh, and probably the week after. But what we'd like you to do is we'd like you to make sure that you check our website because we... We're going to have just uh, uh, constant updates letting you know what's going on. And you'll know that there'll be no class this coming week. So we'll save that for another day. Uh, in case you don't know, the class is called Koinonia, which is uh, the doctrine of fellowship. <laughs> kind of ironic. I'm glad that we have a smart congregation in the first service that gets that. But uh, I have a feeling that maybe after, at the end of this coronavirus business, we are going to just... We'll be so thrilled, so excited to get back together again. Amen? Amen. Yeah, so we're going to stay in touch, and uh, Taryn will probably be sending you uh, emails. If, you have, if, if we don't have your email, uh, make sure that you check with us to make sure that you do have it. It's easy to, to pass your email to us. It's info, info, I-N-F-O, info, at Cross Church, if you can't spell that, I can't help you, because uh, I can't spell it either. <laughs> no, I don't spell it. Info at CrossChurch.ca. Send us any any uh, information uh, that that you have that you want us to know, uh, email address, phone number, um, and um, and we'll be glad to. If you have questions, and we'll be glad to answer those. So for the month of March, and uh, we're not sure how long this is going to go for. We are, we're going to suspend everything. There'll be no services and no gatherings. So um, can I just, uh, for, does anybody have any questions? Okay, I've just been told. <laughs> I thought they were very, 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 very good every week. But anyway, um, I, I, I think something else that, uh, that we need to remind everybody is that you're not here worshiping God um, and giving your offerings on Sunday. So we need you to not forget about us. Um, the good news is we have a database and I know where you live. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I need you, I need you to, to not forget about us. Uh, we, you can give at, well, you can give at give at crosschurch.ca. Uh, that's the best way because there's absolutely uh, no expense to us. So if you can give like that, that would be great. Uh, you can go to our um, website and there's a place to donate. You can uh, send checks in. Make sure you sterilize them first. <laughs> 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 um, 
There's many ways that you can do that, uh, and we would appreciate it so much. Uh, As it stands right now, I think that the office will be closed this week, uh, probably. So if you you, uh, need to get something to us, and you're going to have to contact us at info at crosschurch.ca. Uh, I think that that's, that's all I can think of at the moment, uh, just to get you up to speed as to what's going on. Again, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to email us, and we'll uh, do our best to answer your questions. But uh, do know this, God is sovereign, he's in control, and the work of God goes forward, right? Amen. It marches on, the kingdom of God marches on. Uh, no puny little coronavirus is going to interfere with the work of God. Amen? Amen. Yeah, that's right. So we're going to worship God with our gifts and giving right now. So, Father, uh, as we worship you now with these gifts, we pray, Father, that uh, your work would continue to advance powerfully. Uh, Father, uh, we know that, that, that you are not the author of these kinds of viruses and these sicknesses. We know this comes from the pit. And uh, we're asking, God, that you take and, and use us for your glory and honor, that you would bring good, good things out of this, yeah. that maybe during this time of, of where everything is shut down, people would reflect uh, about what really matters in life. And uh, Father, we thank you that uh, you're, you're going to meet every need of Cross Church. You're going to meet every need of every person in this congregation. You're going to provide. You're, gonna, you're going to really use this time, Father, to glorify yourself, and we want to be part of that. So we pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it? Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give. Let's face it, we don't like to speak about hell. But according to scripture, it is very real and very necessary. The lake of fire is the destination of all and anything that sets itself up against the God of the universe. Listen carefully to this. The lake of fire is reserved for Satan, the false prophet, the antichrist, death, all evil, and all whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Jesus came to this earth as a Lamb who shed his blood to wash away the sins of all who put their faith in Jesus Christ. If you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, then hell is your destination. There are no exceptions to this rule. But the good news is that God is just and fair, and it's not his will that any should perish 
in the lake of fire. And for this reason, he has given us a way of escape. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. This is our way to heaven, and it's only through Jesus. Hallelujah. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You know, we, uh, we are continuing our series called Heaven and Hell. And I got to tell you that when I was preparing these sermon series a few months ago, I had no idea that right smack dab in the middle of the series that we would have a plague break out <laughs> in the world. And I'm going to tell you, um, I've had a lot of people ask me about that. A lot of questions, and, and you'll see it on the internet too, lots of questions. Uh, is, is, this, is this a plague, one of the plagues mentioned in the book of Revelation? Well, uh, the, the British newspaper called The Express, it, one of the headlines, coronavirus death toll rises as COVID-19 fulfilling Bible prophecies of Revelation goes on to say that coronavirus's infections have claimed nearly 5,000 lives. As of this morning, it's more like about 6,000, uh, maybe one or 200. Um, and so we have this widespread fear of this uh, pandemic. And the question is, is this foretold in the Bible, in the book of Revelation? Well, let me just, uh, just bring you up to speed a little bit on the pandemics that have... Um, ravaged human history. There's, there's not a lot of what we would call pandemics, and by pandemic we mean uh, something that affects the whole world. And some of you uh, maybe remember the Spanish flu. I don't know, is anybody here that lives that old? Uh, 1918 is when it broke out, and it claimed between 20 and 50 million people. A lot of people don't know that, but that was worldwide. Um, and then if you go back to the 1300s, there was the bubonic plague or the Black Death, as it was known. And that claimed between 75 and 200 million lives. Um, maybe, maybe the most uh, current uh, pandemic was the AIDS pandemic that started in 17, or 1976. And it really sort of came to, to, to full light in the 1980s. And uh, as of as of 2012, I think that deaths by the AIDS virus is about 36 million lives. Well, as of this morning, uh, at 127 Greenwich Mean Time, uh, well over 6,000 people have died of the coronavirus. There's 162, 392 confirmed cases and 156 countries and territories are facing that right now. But this is not the deadly pandemic that we have seen in the past. And so we wonder, how should a Christian react or respond to something like the coronavirus? And the first thing I would say is be wise and don't take foolish risks. Everybody gets that? Be wise, don't take foolish risks. That's why we are canceling our service next Sunday and while there'll be no Sunday school and there'll be no kids club and there'll be no youth meetings, we will, will not be meeting because we want to be wise. We don't want to be stupid. The, the second thing that we need to do as Christians is, is to, to not be afraid. 
Uh, if you look at the person beside you, just say, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Just be wise, right? This is what we are. Christians are wise people, are people that, uh, that are not afraid. And, and why should we not be afraid? Because I know some are thinking, well, what if I die? Well, the Apostle Paul was faced with that question, and here's what he said. Oh, he didn't say that. <laughs> I, I thought it was in there. I'm going to read it to you. He says in Philippians 1, 21 to 23, For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I could do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go to be with Christ, which would be far better for me, but then he longs to stay and do great work for God. So for the believer, for the Christian, we're not afraid of death. Rather, we understand that God is sovereign and he's in control. Now, here's the thing this morning. If you are a real Christian, and you've heard me say that, use that kind of phraseology quite a bit lately, it's because I really feel impressed by the Spirit of God that I need to make sure that our congregation understands what it really means to be converted. So I'm saying if, in fact, you are a real Christian versus just being a cultural Christian, you know you know what a cultural Christian is? It's somebody, I grew up a Christian in a Christian home. I'm used to Christian friends. I'm used to doing Christian activities, so therefore, uh, I'm a Christian. Well, no, that does not make you a Christian any more than me living in the garage makes me a car. <laughs> what makes you and I a Christian very simply, is that we have repented, we've turned from our old life, and we put our faith in Jesus Christ. I'm gonna talk more about that in just a few moments. But I want you to understand that as Christians, we have nothing to fear. We really have nothing to fear. We talk about death, we talk about dying, we talk about hell, some of these very unsavory subjects in scripture. But I'm telling you, that if you are a real believer, if you're truly converted, if you're truly born again, or as it says in the Greek, born from above, then you, then you are, are, are laughing. Did you hear that? You're laughing. <laughs> to live is Christ, to die is gain. Nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. Now, how do you know? How do you know that you're going to heaven? That's the question. Well, here's, here's how you know. When you became a Christian, your name was written into the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, I don't think it's going to be a literal book, but it is absolutely for sure some kind of a record, some, some kind of an eternal record that declares, it says, Alan Duncalf is in the book, and I want you to know today, I know that my name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. I am not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of hell. I'm, I, am, I am, like the Apostle Paul, excited to see Christ. And you say, well, Pastor, and how can you be so sure? In fact, when we had the United Church here back a few years ago, they wanted to know what we believe in why we baptize people and how we baptize them. And one of the things we said is that if you're going to be baptized at Cross Church, then first and foremost, you, <laughs> you need to be born again. And so I said to, I said to these people, um, when I put my faith in Christ, 
uh, I was given the assurance that someday when I die, I'm going to heaven. Well, that made one of the guys sitting in the back very angry, and he was nudging the people, and they said, like, you could just see this, this conversation break out all over the place because they were hearing something obviously they'd never heard before. They thought that maybe after they died, they'd go to purgatory, and God would finish his sanctifying work there. And by sanctify, we mean by God making us holy. How many know that, that there's no purgatory? Does everybody know that? Not everybody knows that. Some people think, well, we go to purgatory after we die, uh, and that's where we're purified, unless you buy an indulgence. <laughs> and then you're, you're sprung out of purgatory. Uh, none of that's true, by the way. But that is, what, that is what Martin Luther was fighting against, this notion, this idea, that if you pay the church enough money, that will spring you out of purgatory and go right to heaven. Hallelujah. <laughs> Ooh, anybody want to sign up? What a great way to build a new church. <laughs> well, that's what they did, didn't they? When you become a Christian, your name is added to the Lamb's Book of Life. And so uh, I just want to show you this, not that, not that, not that. Hmm. All right, so we're going to have to take Nicholas. We'll have to take a look at that after and find out what happened. It's not his fault, by the way. It's all mine. Um, I want to read to you Revelation 20 because that's, that's what we're looking at today. And uh, I'm going to do something that I don't always do. I'm going to actually read the whole chapter for you. It's only 16 verses, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with a key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. And he seized the dragon, that old serpent who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. And the angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. Afterward, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones and the people sitting on them uh, had been given the authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. By the way, do you remember when, the, when ISIS was beheading believers? Did you see that? This is, this is what it's talking about here, those people. These people had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. By the way, the, everybody knows what the mark of the beast is, right? Everybody's heard of that? That's what he's referring to. People who had, who had not received or accepted the mark of the beast on their forehead. Did you know that Christians have the mark of Christ on their forehead? I don't know if you knew that, but you're going to have one or the other. And if you've embraced this world, you've taken that, that mark of the beast. If you've embraced Christ and you have the mark of Christ on you. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, the second death holds no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years came to an end, Satan will be let out of his prison. He will go, into, uh, go out to deceive the nations called Gog and Magog in every corner of the earth. 
He will gather them together for a battle, a mighty army as numberless as sand along the seashore. And I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city. But fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. When will the devil ever learn? When will we ever learn? Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it, and the earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. If you're a Christian today, if you're a real Christian, if you've been truly converted, and not everybody is, not everybody says I'm a Christian is in fact a true believer. And this is why it's so important that you search your heart and know beyond a shadow of a doubt whether or not you are converted. If your name is not in the Lamb's book of life, then it says in verse 15 that you will be thrown into the lake of fire. I told you last week and I told you the week before, I don't like to preach on this subject. I don't like this subject. I, in, fact, in fact, it really is the hardest thing that I've ever had to speak about. And yet, and yet, it's there. Jesus spoke about hell more than anybody. Did you know that? He talked, he spoke on the subject more than anybody. Now, before I go any further, I just want to tell everybody that just because we're not uh, holding gatherings next Sunday and the Sunday after, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to be preaching. Well, you get to sleep in. I'll be here preaching, or at least be here sometime preaching. And we're going to be recording it for you, and you'll be able to uh, see it hopefully on YouTube initially, and then we'll see if we can do something live but that's what we're gonna do initially. And um, so we will be, again, we'll be contacting you and letting you know uh, how to see the message. I'm gonna invite you to take time next Sunday to sit down, and the nice thing is you'll be able to sit down in your pajamas, <laughs> the cup of coffee, but make sure you turn your TV off and any other distractions, and, and I want you to put a picture of me on the wall. <laughs> And I want you to listen. I want you to pay close attention to what is being said. Uh, again, I had no idea. I had no idea. You're welcome. I had no idea that, that something like this would break out right in the middle of the sermon series. I don't think it's a coincidence. Do you? So here we are, and we see the account of the end of all evil of the end of Satan, of the end of the Antichrist, the beast, and all creatures who hate God. Did you hear that? 
What you and I need to understand today is that God has put his hand on us and he loves us. And I want you to know that, that death and the grave are thrown into the lake of fire. Never again for the believer, never, never again do we ever have to face death or dying. Never have to watch our loved ones die. We never have to be separated from our loved ones. We don't have to go through it a second time. Once is enough. But the fact is, is that we are all going to die. And never has, has, a, has a society or a culture so, so avoided the subject as, as our culture. Isn't that right? We all act like we're going to live forever. We all act like there'll be no end. And then when it does happen, we don't really want to say what happened. We don't want to say, well, he, he, he died. <laughs> we rather say, well, he passed. He went on to glory. He went on to better things. We don't, we don't want to face reality. Well, here's what you need to know. Is it death, dying, the grave, Satan, all evil, everything that's evil, everything that's opposed to the truth, everything that's opposed to God's will, all of this will be destroyed once and for all. Now, I'm going to change this. I'm going to try changing the slide, and I'm going to see which slide comes up. There it is. For me, for me, living means living for Christ. Okay, Chris, uh, Nicholas, in the, for the next service, take out this slide. I don't know what's, what it's there for. But here we go. There's the rider on the white horse. We talked about that last week. He has come to destroy all death, all dying, all evil, all wickedness, all over once and for all. So here's what it says in Revelation 20, 14 to 15. That then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire, and this lake is the fire. This lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Then... Uh, uh, before we go any further, let me just remind everybody that uh, the book of life serves as a testament to those saved who will enjoy eternity with the Lord. So how do you know that you're going to heaven? How do you know? To go to heaven, your name has got to be in the Lamb's book of life. Did somebody just sneeze? <laughs> Don't go near friend. <laughs> Everyone does not automatically go to heaven. Did you get that? Because this is what a lot of people assume now. This is now the assumption. And you'll hear things like, oh, yeah, you know what? I know that your mom is gone. She's got her wings. She'd become an angel. Okay, but as soon as you hear that, you know that person hasn't got a clue what's in the Bible. How many know you, when you die, you do not become an angel? You do not become an angel. You do not sprout wings and a halo. And no one's going to be issuing, issuing you a harp. And you will not be walking around on clouds. That's not what happens. Everyone does not automatically go to heaven. You need to hear that. It needs to be clear in your heart and in your mind. The only way that you're going to heaven 
is if you're good enough. Is someone dare to correct me? <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely right. You'll never be good enough. I don't care if you never sinned in your life, at least you think that. But the fact is, is that Paul says that all of our sins, or all, all of our goodness, never mind sins, all of our goodness is like filthy rags. It's not good enough. Not everyone goes to heaven. And Jesus says this in Matthew 7, 13 to 14. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, that means wide, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. Did you hear that? Most people don't want the narrow road that Pastor Alan Duncalf preaches about. Pastor Alan, I think I'm gonna go to another church. It's not quite as narrow. I don't think that I am, I don't think that I can get any narrower than what it says here. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road, listen to this, is difficult. Some of you think, you're, think to yourself, boy, this Christian life sure is difficult. At least what, at least what Pastor Allen's preaching is too difficult. I'm gonna just find something a little bit easier. Will you go ahead? And good luck. The gateway to life, to heaven, is very narrow, and the road is difficult. It's not easy. Anybody who tells you that the Christian life is easy is telling you a bald-faced lie. How do I know it? Because that's what Jesus says. It's a difficult road, and only a few ever find it. My prayer as your pastor, as your shepherd, is that this is the few. These are the few. You come here every Sunday and listen to me preach, and you you're willing to listen to the very narrow and difficult messages and sermons that I preach. I don't wake up on Monday morning thinking, hmm, I wonder what kind of a difficult sermon I can give them next week. <laughs> hmm, I wonder how I can make your life miserable next Sunday. <laughs> Here's what you will know, is that if you have embraced Jesus Christ, if you've embraced his way, then you know that it's difficult. I'm gonna to preach to you a message that's difficult, but I'm also gonna to preach to you a message of comfort. I'm gonna remind you that you're not walking this road alone because God has sent you the comforter. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, empowering you and strengthening you on this difficult road, this very narrow road. Now, we talked about this for the last few weeks. If you love this world, and this world, in case you don't remember, is Babylon, also called the great prostitute. That's what this world is. If you love this world, if you love this prostitute, if, as James says, you have, a, have committed adultery with this prostitute, the Babylon, the world, is everything and anything that sets itself up against God, then your name is not in the Lamb's book of life. Listen to this, Romans, uh, Revelation 13, verse eight. And, and all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. 
They're the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. Did you get that? The only way your name is in this lamb's book of life is that you have rejected the systems of this world. You've rejected the religions of this world. You've rejected the greed and the financial uh, uh, systems of this world in the sense that, that you are, are chasing Christ and not chasing after money. All the people who belong to this world worship the beast, but those who are Christians, we do not, we do not love this world. In fact, as it tells us in Hebrews, we're passing through. This world is not our home. You say it with me, this world is not my home. This world is not my home. We're passing through. And so if your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, it means that you have rejected this world and all of the pleasures and all of the philosophies and the ideas that look so attractive of this world. Well, the question that some people have is why can't, just, why can't everybody just go to heaven? Wouldn't it just be easier? Just, God, just, just do a white, a clean, clean the slate, let it, let it happen. And I'll tell you why. Because if that's what God did, it would mean that God had, had overruled your free will. The minute that God overrules your free will is the day that love comes to an end. We've got a number of couples here today. When you got married to the person that you're married to, you were not interested in marrying a robot that just did whatever you said, although in some marriages that seems to be the way it is. You wanted somebody to love you in return. Not, 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 not because they were told to, to love you, but because they love you. And I'm gonna tell you today, this is what God's looking for, people who love him. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. So, like Adam and Eve in the garden, they're given a choice to either obey, obey God, obey Jesus, or obey Satan. What do they do? They, they, they chose not to love God. They made a choice. You say, well, that wasn't fair because they didn't know it was gonna happen. Yes, they did. Genesis 2.17, the day that you eat that fruit, you're gonna die. And that's what happened. They died. They were evicted from the garden. It was their choice. And folks, it's for this reason that God does not just open the door to heaven and say, everybody's welcome, come on in. Because that's not what it is. That's not what heaven is. Heaven is a place of holiness, and only holiness can dwell in heaven. And if you have not, if you have not accepted Christ, if you've not obeyed the word of Christ, if you've not embraced Christ, if you don't love Christ, then how could you possibly go to heaven? It doesn't make sense. And a lot of people don't understand this. We talk about the love of God, but what a lot of people don't know is that love is synon the love of God is synonymous with holiness, with purity. And so this is what, this is what we read in Revelation 21, 27. Nothing evil 
will be allowed to enter. No one evil, nothing evil can enter into heaven, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So here's the thing. It's not so much that God doesn't want you to come to heaven as much as it's you who decides, I want to go to heaven. I want to be with God. I want to be in that holy place called heaven. I want to be in that place, look at this, where everybody loves Jesus. Do you love Jesus today? If you love Jesus today, as evidenced by your obedience to Christ, then the good news, folks, is that you will be spending eternity with me. Anybody want to live next door? But nothing evil will be allowed to enter there. Now, some would say, well, that's not fair. Well, I got to tell you again. God tells everybody clearly how they can enter heaven. Remember, John 3, 16, every kid knows this. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, will not die, will not spend eternity in hell, but will have what? Eternal life. It's your choice. Because we're talking about love. We're talking about a love of God versus a love of this world. And this is why the Bible tells us over and over and over and over again, you cannot love this world. To love the world is enmity with God. So I gotta ask you the question today, do you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? And don't answer it, that's between you and God. Do you love God with all your heart? Is God number one in your life? I know that if God's number one in your life by how you spend your time, how you spend your money, and how you spend, spend your energy. Ah, pastor, that's not fair. Well, it is fair. And God has shown us, he has revealed to us the way to eternal life. And it's through Jesus Christ. For those of you still not convinced, listen to what Paul says in Romans 1, 18 to 20. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful and wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have been, have, have been seeing the earth and the sky Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Now, I haven't got time to dive into this like like I would like to, but, but suffice it to say, God is a fair and just God, right? Everybody understands that? And he judges us according to what we know and what we understand. So why is it called the Lamb's Book of Life? Well, it's because Jesus is the Lamb who took away the sins 
of all who put their faith in him. That's why it's called the Lamb's Book. Jesus was, was actually the Lamb of God. He was actually the sacrifice who died in our place. And if you put your faith in the Lamb, Jesus Christ, then your name is in the Lamb's Book. What did the Lamb do? Well, he took upon himself the death that you and I deserve. And if you know that, and you understand that, and you want that for yourself, well, what's gonna happen, folks, is that you are going to recognize that you're a sinner. That's the first evidence to me that a person is either converted or about to be converted, is that suddenly they recognize that they're a sinner in need of Christ. I was talking to my friend Bruce in, in Wales, and he was telling me about some of the, the converts that came came to Jesus in, in the 1970s. And there's one lady by the name of Betty Burr, a Welsh, beautiful Welsh woman. And uh, she taught Sunday school for 20 years. She, she, she didn't come to, to the church service, but she came for Sunday school to teach that. She didn't think it was important to hear a sermon. She missed the sermon for years, 20 years. She never heard a sermon. She was busy, busy, busy doing Sunday school work. And then something happened where times were changed. Somebody invited her to come and sit. So she came, and for the first time in her life, she heard the gospel being preached. And by gospel, we mean a message about Christ dying for our sins. And every Sunday, she found herself squirming in her chair and listening (laughs) to this gospel message. What on earth she'd been teaching in Sunday school for 20 years, I don't know. Probably the stories of the Old Testament. Long story short, she was invited to a retreat. And in the retreat, at the retreat, again, my friend was preaching the gospel. And she, she reports that on that first night at that retreat, she went to, went to bed and she was weeping and crying. And it happened the next night, and then the next night. And then finally, she couldn't take it anymore. She went and spoke to pastor, to the, to the minister, and she said, this is what's happening. I'm, I'm filled with sorrow. I'm weeping before I go to sleep every night. And my friend, understanding what was going on, knew that the hand of, of Almighty God was upon her. <laughs> and recognizing her sorrow for her sin, he said to her, Betty, you're born again. You have been converted. You've been transformed by the power of Almighty God. This is why I'm telling you, it's not enough just to go to church every Sunday or to grow up in a Christian home. All those things are wonderful. You have to be born again. You have to be converted yourself. And Betty was gloriously converted And I can tell you that after that, she kept teaching Sunday school, but she never missed a sermon. (laughs) Hey, that's one of the evidences that you are converted. You have a hunger and a thirst for the word of God. You don't want to miss the preaching of God's word. Your, Your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life if you know that you deserve death because of your sin. I know a lot of people think, I'm a... I'm a good person. How many have heard that? 
Did anybody ever say that? Did you ever say that? I'm, I'm basically, I'm a good person. I, I'm not a bad person. Anybody ever say that? Anybody willing to admit that? I'm a good person. I'm not a bad person. Compared to my brother, I mean, I am a, I'm a saint. <laughs> Compared to my wife, oh, I know I'm going to heaven. How many know that when you stand before God, he's not going to be... He's not going to be standing people up and say, well, let's compare you to your brother. Yeah, you know what? Your brother's not good enough, but you are. You're in. That's not how it works, people. Remember, it's a narrow road, a narrow gate, a difficult road that leads to eternal life. And, it, and I'm telling you, you only get in through that narrow gate if you understand that you deserve death because of your sin. Is everybody getting this? Isn't this exciting? If you understand you deserve death, you think about Adam and Eve. God pronounces judgment on them, and they don't don't apologize. They don't repent. They don't say, oh, God, forgive us. They don't do any of that. No repentance there. Did you notice that? I always wonder, I've always wondered, what would have happened if Adam and Eve said, God, forgive us our sin, but they didn't. What they said? It's not my fault. That's what Adam said. It's not my fault, God. It's her fault. And all, all the men said, <laughs> No, don't. Are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? Don't say that. I set you up for that. Adam, it's her fault. And, and, and while he's at it, and God, it's your fault. Because you hadn't made her, given her to me, then I wouldn't have gone through this. It's totally not Adam's fault. All the men said. <laughs> but Eve, Eve said, well, hold on a minute here. It's not my fault. It's the serpent's fault. And God, by the way, it's your fault because if you hadn't made that serpent, I wouldn't be. And it's nobody's fault. And, and this, is, this is typical. It's typical of every human being. I don't deserve death. I'm not the guilty party. I'm not wrong. It's not my fault. It's my mom's fault. It's my dad's fault. It's my teacher's fault. It's my brother's fault. It's the pastor's fault. It's my husband's fault. It's my wife's fault, but it's not my fault. It's I'm not the one that's in the wrong. The evidence that you are converted is that you're the first one to understand I deserve death. Nobody's saying amen. I don't know why. That's the evidence. You understand that you deserve hell. You deserve death, as God said in Genesis 2.17. So if you understand that you deserve that, then the next thing you're going to do is you're going to say, well, how do, I, how do I escape death? How do I escape hell? And this is where God comes in and says, well, hello, It's what I've been trying to tell you all this time. I sent you my son. He died on the cross to wash away your sin. And everybody who's converted says, hallelujah. Jesus died for me. He took the the penalty that I deserved. He took the penalty that God proclaimed in Genesis 2.17. The day that you eat the fruit, you'll surely die. And once you have... Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin, and like Betty Burr, you're weeping and sorrowful for your sin. You will accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you will turn from your old life. 
I have a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people over the years, they're weeping, they come, which is why we don't do altar calls anymore. They come forward, receive Christ in your life, they say a sinner's prayer, Whew, I got my fire insurance policy, I'm, I, you get what I'm saying? Right? I'm not going to hell, I'm going to heaven, Woohoo! I can just do whatever I want now. Well, that's evidence that you haven't, you don't get it at all. Because when you become a Christian, you repent. You're walking in that direction, now you're going the other direction. You're now following Christ, you're doing things Christ's way. And the good news, folks, is if you repent and turn from your old life, he will forgive you your sins. And your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. And you can stand at the judgment in the name of Jesus Christ, and you can say, through Christ, I stand innocent. Because Jesus paid it all, hallelujah. Jesus paid it all. This is what we call gospel preaching. Did you notice, how, how, this is, when you come here and hear sermons, they're vertical. It's about, it's about God, it's God-centered. It's, I'm not standing here giving you any psychology lessons. I'm here proclaiming to you the good news that Jesus Christ has made a way for you to go to heaven, to escape Hell, hallelujah. Now, how do you know that your name is in the Lamb's book of life? Well, obviously you do that, and if you're still not sure, let me tell you what you do. Because this is where a lot of people really fall off the rails. This is where your Christianity becomes disconnected and confused and mixed up. You know all this information up here, but if you understand the scripture, it tells you that you're gonna live a new way. There's a new way that you're gonna live. And the first thing that you're gonna, you're gonna want to do once you become a Christian is you're gonna want to start following Christ and obeying him. You get that? That's, that's gonna be number one in your heart, number one in your mind. Is that you're gonna wanna do that more than anything. In fact, everything else you will count, as the Apostle Paul said, you're gonna count it like, like dog turds, really. That's really what he said, like dung. This is the most important thing in your life. If I see that, then I know this person has been born again. And here's the other thing. You're gonna want to fellowship with Christians. You are gonna reject any kind of fellowship with people who don't love Christ. The only time you're gonna wanna spend time with people who don't know Christ is if you are actively preaching to them and telling them about Christ. Otherwise, I can't have fellowship with these people anymore. That's why for years I was closer to people in, in my church than I was uh, people who were my own flesh and blood. Why? Because I have a new family, new brothers and sisters in Christ. Someone say hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. So you're gonna want a fellowship with Christians. You're gonna have a, a sense of peace in your heart, a sense of great joy. And you're gonna wanna love people regardless did you notice I haven't said anything yet about being perfect? I didn't say anything about that. I didn't say anything here about never sinning again. I heard one preacher on TV saying, ever since I became a Christian, I've, I haven't sinned one since. I thought, well, you just sinned when you said that. <laughs> You're lying. We are, we are sinners saved by God's grace, and I'm gonna tell you, he's sanctifying us, that is, he's making us holy, and that work, when it's done, well, you'll know it's done because you're gonna be dead and in heaven. 
The next thing is you're going to reject the ideas and the philosophies and the ways of this world. In fact, the closer you draw to God, the more you'll see the folly, the stupidity of the philosophies of this world. And I tell you, I'm one of those people who like to read philosophy uh, and read the philosophers, and, and I read it just so that I, I can see how this world has gone off the rails and has gone so nuts. You're going to love holy living, doing God's will. You're not going to be trying to, well, how close can I get to the edge where it's okay? I hear, I've heard people ask me, that, Pastor, how, how, how close can I get to the edge? So why do you want to get close to the edge? Run, run from the edge. Run as far away from evil as you can. Why are you flirting with evil? Why are you flirting with temptation? If the spirit of God is upon you, you're going to run for your life. You're going to seek to advance God's kingdom. I, I, wanted these, I wanted these profiles to stay on the walls and the decorations to stay up, just as a reminder to us about who we are and what we're about at Crossroads. We are all about advancing the kingdom of God, right? Yeah. So let me just close with this. Um, you'll notice that, that I'm not trying to scare anybody with hell, with hellfire and brimstone. You notice that? Have you noticed that this morning? Don't you think that I did this tactfully? Yeah. And the reason I did it tactfully is because that's what's in the word of God. I've been a pastor since 19... 91, no, 1883, 1883. <laughs> Chris, a pastor since 18, 1983. And listen, 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 listen. I don't know of anybody who became a Christian and stayed a Christian because they were afraid of hell. It's interesting, isn't it? What's gonna compel you to become a Christian and stay a Christian is when you see the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you see his great love for you, when you see the, eternal, the gift of eternal life that he wants to give you, when you see the gift of the Holy Spirit he wants to empower you with, when you see the abundant life that he wants you to have, when you see the new life that he wants to give you, that's what compels us to follow Christ. Look at this. But the people who did not die in these plagues, the coronavirus, AIDS, Spanish flu, SARS, they still refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. <laughs> they continued to worship demons and idols and they did not repent of their murders. By the way, murder in Jesus' mind is just hating people. If you hate people, you're in trouble. You better not hate anybody or you're in big trouble. If you're holding unforgiveness in your heart, you're in big, big trouble. They did not repent of their murders, of their witchcraft, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. The only place where I know where the warning of judgment made a difference was when, when Jonah went and preached to Nineveh. They repented 
They tore their clothes, put on sackcloth, and they fasted. Hey, you know what we need? We need a, f- a fresh glimpse of Jesus Christ, the lover of our souls, the one who died for our sin, the one who washed us clean. So my question to you this morning is this. How will you spend eternity? Are you sure that your heart has been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb? I want you to know God loves you very much today. There's nothing that he can do more to prove to you his love than by coming to this earth and dying on the cross for your sins. My prayer today is that you will stop walking in assumptions and know the condition of your heart. Get before the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him, Lord, do I belong to you? If you're still not sure, then talk to me. That's my job to help you discern where you're at. But don't play games. Don't play games with God. It's a narrow road and a difficult road and a narrow gate. And only a few find it. And my prayer is that the few will include all of you. Stand together. It's 10 to 11. It's the longest sermon I've ever preached across church, but it's because I'm not going to be able to talk to you in person for two weeks. You want more? Yeah, well, you tune in. Taryn will give you the, the code. But thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. Hey, isn't it the truth? We talk about the beauty of Christ, what he's done for us. I mean, we know that we have eternal life. Like, you just want to keep talking about this. Everybody wonders, what are you going to do when we get to heaven? That's a long, long time to be there. Oh, we've got lots to talk about. And we'll be lots of singing and lots of rejoicing around the throne of God and telling our story of how we got over, how we made it. Hallelujah. Father, thank you today for, your, for the hope of heaven. We thank you, O oh God, that you make us holy through Jesus Christ. And it's a good thing because nothing unholy can go to heaven. Father, we thank you today that you have given us free will And we make that decision. We make that choice. God, just the way Adam and Eve made the choice, they chose death. They chose to be kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And so, God, we choose to go back into the Garden of Eden through Jesus Christ. God, I pray everybody here will make it into the Garden of Eden. And I thank you, Lord, for your word, which is a light for our feet. And we thank you, God. You're sovereign. You're in control. And we believe that everybody here is going to continue to listen to the word of God over the next few weeks when we're apart from one another. God, help us. We pray to stay in touch with each other, to email each other, text each other, and just tell one another that all is well through Jesus Christ. And we pray that for Christ's sake. And everyone said it with me? Tell the person beside you, do not shake their hand especially if you were sneezing or coughing. <laughs> tell, the per- listen, tell the person beside you that uh, I want to see you in Eden.
Without light, till from heaven.